You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. I am Seth Peterson. I am Debbie Hedren. I'm Rhonda Schwartz. I'm Doris Roberts. This is Jesslyn Gilson. Hello, I'm Victor Webster. Hi, this is Charlotte Ross. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. What's up, you guys? This is AJ from the Backstreet Boys. Hi, this is Shannon Elizabeth, and you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. And you're listening to Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. Talkin' Pets. With John Patch. John Patch. You're listening to Talkin' Pets with John Patch. Hello, America, and welcome to Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. Join John and his expert guests with all of your pet questions, concerns, comments, and stories. Now it's time for Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. And welcome to Talkin' Pets, heard coast-to-coast on your favorite radio station. This is Talkin' Pets, and I'm John Patch. Joining us from Dog Gone Positive out of Tampa Bay, Florida, is... Maria Ryan. Here to answer your training questions and your behavior questions at 877-807-4048. It's a toll-free telephone number. That means the call is on us, and we want to hear from you. When you call into the network, that's Genesis Communications Network, you'll speak with Shane Parr, and he'll put you on the air with us. That's 877-807-4048. The show is produced in studio by our ever-so-lovely and talented and back from his gig at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, Mr. Executive Producer Bob Page. Hello, sir. I, I thought that was reserved for the ladies, <laughs> but I'll take it. <laughs> Sounds good. And the ever-so-talented and lovely, our producer, Mr. Stephen Bordwick. Hey, John. How you doing? Hey, guys. We have a special guest that's going to be joining us. His name is Greg Burns. The title of his book, he is the author of How Dogs Love Us. Our neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. We're going to be talking about that book, but write this number down and give us a call, 877-807-4048. Well, we want to uh, say Gregory Burns, uh, actually Dr. Gregory Burns, is the distinguished professor of neuroeconomics at Emory University. His research has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, the Los Angeles Times, Nature, Money, New Scientist, Psychology Today, and on CNN, NPR, ABC, and the BBC. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia with his wife, two children, and of course... Three dogs. We want to welcome onto the program the author of How Dogs Love Us, a neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain, Mr. Greg Burns. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Hey, John, I'm doing well. Good. It's nice to have you on with us. I just got to ask you, are you a Red Sox fan? No, but I'm not a Yankees fan either. <laughs> then we love you just the same. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, probably geez. From I mean, Atlanta, probably a Braves fan. Yeah. Right? Braves? Everyone's a Braves fan when they're in the postseason here. Yeah. <laughs> well, i got to ask you, um, How Dogs Love Us, great book, and um, very nice. On, on the cover of the book, by a chance, um, is that one of your dogs? or? It's a dog that looks very much like our golden retriever who passed away last year, a dog named Lyra, and that's actually who the, dog, the book is dedicated to. Right, right. Yeah, I see that, actually. And um, the book is available. It's put out. It's published by New Harvest, correct? Yes. And it's available, I would say, on Amazon and probably all the websites and available in bookstores as well? Correct. Primarily on Amazon. Hard to find in bookstores unless you ask for it. 
Okay. Well, we're going to be giving away a couple of the books during the time that we chat right now, too. So stay tuned, America, because uh, when we give out the phone number, which is 877-807-4048, it's a toll-free telephone number. When I say and announce uh, we're going to give away a book, you could win a copy, complimentary copy, from Greg Burns, the author of the book, How Dogs Love Us. A neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. First of all, how long did it take you to write this book? The book actually didn't take that long to write because I was actually keeping kind of a journal as we went along. And when I started this project, which is now almost three years ago, none of us knew if this was going to work. And, you know, so I just started chronicling it, what was happening kind of on a day-by-day basis, not really knowing where it was going to go. So that's kind of how the book was written, really almost in real time as things unfolded. Well, how does a, a neuroscientist actually write a book because I, I know you deal with humans, but how did you end up dealing with dogs and writing a book about this, about dogs? You know, so for 20 years or so, uh, I've made my career using um, technology like MRI to study the human brain. And most of what I've studied during that time is how people's brains make decisions. And, uh, you know, I don't know why I didn't really think of this before, but I, I've always been a dog person. I've lived with dogs all my life. And... I don't know, maybe it was, it, was, it was a few years ago, I think, when one of um, my favorite dogs passed away. It was a, a pug named Newton, and he had lived to be 15. And I think something happened, I guess, after he was gone that just got me thinking, you know, you know I loved him dearly. And, you know, he used to sleep in my armpit every night. And I just wanted to know, you know, do dogs return those feelings to us in kind of any way that resembles how we feel about them? And, and that's how it started. How did you get past, because basically what you were doing was taking tests of these dogs, the brains basically, you were doing MRIs on them, correct? So yeah. how did you get past like the administrative rule and, and hospitals and so on and so forth to say, hey, this is the studies that I want to do on these dogs? Because a lot of hospitals are like poo-poo, they'll be like, you know, they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, that was probably one of the most difficult parts of the project. The dogs are great. The lawyers and the administrators, um, not so much. But, you know, because I'm at a university and and any institution that's a research institution has to follow rules and regulations that the government puts out there about doing research. Uh, That's true for doing research on humans, and it's true for doing research on animals. So when I went to the committee that oversees this stuff and I I told them that I wanted to train dogs to go in, in a scanner, they really didn't know what to think of that because... I mean, you have to realize, I mean, most research at, at universities is, is for medical research, um, not necessarily for the animal's benefit. In fact, you know, most animal research for, for medical research is terminal for the animals. So they didn't really know what to think about it. They said, well, are you going to purchase the dogs? And I said, no, these are going to be people's pets. They're just going to train them, and they'll, when they're ready, they'll come in and we'll have them go on the MRI, and then they'll go home, you know, same as a human volunteer. So they didn't really know what to make of that. And the other kind of, the other aspect that, that I was fairly adamant about was that, that we were going to treat these dogs kind of like their children, human children, meaning that we were going to give the dogs the right to not be in the experiment if they didn't want to. So that meant that we would train dogs to walk into the scanner and shimmy down and put their head in, in what's called a head coil. But if they didn't want to do it, they didn't have to do it. So we mm-hmm. weren't going to sedate them. We, we weren't going to strap them down in any way. And the lawyers didn't really like this very much. So, you know, they kind of started raising crazy 
lawyers go figure (laughs) did they want you to restrain them i mean did they want that or i'm not sure it's not that they wanted them restrained that they were they kind of a lot of you know a lot of people aren't dog they didn't want the liability exactly and so they you know so i had to deal with kind of these nightmare scenarios like well what if the dog gets loose and runs amok on campus and bites a student and the student gets rabies crazy stuff like that Mm -hmm. right Hey, Greg, hold on. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue on with Greg Burns. He is the author of How Dogs Love Us, a neuroscientist, and his adopted dog, Decode the Canine Brain. The book's available in bookstores. It's available on Amazon, so you can find it there. It's put out by New Harvest Publishing. So check it out. Again, How Dogs Love Us. We're going to give away a complimentary copy. Just call in right now to uh, Shane at the network, Shane Parr, and he will send you out a book. But you got a call to win, and we're looking for number two. The second call to come in at 877-807-4048. The book is yours. 877-807-4048. Call now, and you're getting a complimentary copy of the book, How Dogs Love Us. 877-807-4048. The second call, the book is yours. This is Talking Pets. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail-wagging, fur-flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off and free shipping. From Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Once again, you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Maria Ryan. 877-807-4048. That's the number to call. Hey, call that number right now and speak with Shane Parr at the network, at Genesis Communications Network, and we are going to send you out a complimentary copy of How Dogs Love Us by Greg Burns. He's the author of the book. We're speaking with him right now. 877-807-4048. First one to come in right now is getting a copy of the book, How Dogs Love Love us. The book is yours. Call 877-807-4048. Hey, Bobby, by the way, um, did you post uh, Greg's book, How Dogs Love Us, on our Twitter and uh, Facebook? It's gone out to Twitter and Facebook. There's a link to the Amazon, so if you wanted to buy it in case you didn't get a chance to win it on our show today. And there's also the link to the TalkingPets.com site where there's some information there as well. And there is, right there on the homepage on TalkinPets.com, T-A-L-K-I-N Pets.com. No G in the talking. You'll see the banner there for How Dogs Love Us, and there's information on the book there. But, of course, for all you people that are following us on Twitter and on our Facebook, which is about 18,000 now, right? In total, yeah. Between our Facebook fan page and friend page, because the friend page will only allow you to have 5,000, and Twitter is a little over 11,000. Yeah, it's just rolling along. Yeah, I want to thank you guys for joining on with us for Twitter and Facebook, and please keep it going. You can find the icons right there at the top of the homepage at TalkinPets.com, and click on them, and you can become part of our family. So we like to hear from you guys. We're all pet people, and we want to talk with you. 
But give us a call if you've got a question or a comment for Greg Burns, the author of the book, How Dogs Love Us, 877-807-4048 is the number. 877-807-4048. So pick up the phone and give us a call. You know, Greg, when we were talking about, you know, different things, and you were talking about the administration and and getting the dogs in there and so on and so forth um, to run these tests, I mean, this is all fascinating stuff that you're doing, but there's a a couple questions that I want to know is that, you know, everybody, whether you have a dog or a cat or a bird or a mouse or whatever you may have in your house, that wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it did. Um, but <laughs> anyway, the thing is, uh, sure. we're talking about the dogs here, but when you look at your dog in that face and you look in your dog's eyes, everybody wants to know, as a pet parent, what is my dog thinking? Do you have a bigger clue now from these tests that you've been doing of what dogs are thinking? Yeah, I think we're getting very close to that. So I, I thought you were going to say something different as, as I was listening to you, because I get this a lot. You know, sometimes when people hear about this, they say, well, I know my dog loves me, or I know my cat loves me. You know, why are we doing MRIs on this? You know, isn't that just a big waste of time and money? And, you know, my response to it is, yes, your dog probably does love you, but the reason we're doing it is we actually want to understand why they do. You know, what is it that they want from us? Is it just food? Is it just shelter? Or do they have things in their head that look similar to what humans experience when we talk about love? And, you know, you can't, you can't ask the dog what they're thinking, you know. So before MRIs and before brain imaging, I mean, really a lot of it's just anthropomorphizing, just projecting our feelings on them. And so that's why we're doing this. You know, that's the scientist in me, you know, trying to live peacefully with the dog lover in me. But what we're finding is that when we look at the dog brain, of course, it's, it's much smaller than human brains, and there's lots of parts that are smaller in relative size as well, but there's many parts that look exactly the same as in humans, and that's where we've been focusing our attention. And these are parts of what we call the reward system, and we're specifically interested in what is most activating to the dog, and is it similar to humans? So when, when we started the project, we, we didn't know if it was going to work. We didn't know if the dogs would hold still enough in the scanner, which is actually quite difficult. So we started with simple things. We started by giving them hand signals. And so uh, when the dogs are in the scanner, they're actually interacting with their humans. The human comes around the other side, and they give hand signals to them, and then, and then they give them treats. And so we see parts of their reward system being activated to hand signals that mean that they're going to get food which is not very surprising. I mean, dogs like food, people like food. But we've gone on since then, and what we're, we're finding is that other things activate this part of the brain, things like the smell of a familiar human who's not even there at the time. And it, and it seems quite specific to people in the house and not other dogs that live in the house. And so it seems as if the dogs, very much like humans, if we know they form these strong attachments to people, and we're seeing it in their brains now. We're seeing what parts of their brains accomplish that. You know, it, I think the thing is, when, when you're, the way you're talking about dogs, I think the average person, well, I don't know if I would say average person, a lot of people basically would say that they don't give their dogs the benefit of the doubt of actually being intelligent. It's like, you know, what you're, what you're saying is if I throw them a treat, they're going to do what I want them to do. But what you're doing is finding out that they are very intelligent beings. They are. I mean, you know, and of course these days, you know, we neuroscientists usually talk about different types of intelligence. And... It's not the same kind of intelligence that a human has. You know, obviously they're not going to do math or, and they're not going to read. But I think what they excel in is social intelligence. And, in fact, that's what makes them dogs and not wolves. 
whatever happened 10,000, 15,000 years ago when, when dogs separated from wolves and started living with humans, that is their defining feature, and we're seeing it in their brains, that they have just an incredible social intelligence, not only for what other dogs are thinking, but for what other species think as well. And so to answer your question of what's going on in their minds when we look in their eyes, they're thinking about what we're thinking. That's what they do. How can you measure that through the MRI, though? Like, how can you measure? Because there's so many times when one of my dogs is looking at me, like, you know, just watching me and intently staring at me and looking at me and so lovingly. And I'm like, I don't know what the heck you want, Rufus. And my other dog is totally clueless and can care less. I'm going to think twice about when I'm getting changed or I'm walking right. naked through the house. So Let alone sit on the toilet. When you're doing these tests and their owners are on the other end of the MRI and you're doing the scan, which I think is phenomenal in and of itself because those MRI machines are so loud. But what kind of things are you seeing light up in their brain? Because an MRI is showing different things than like a C-scan or something. So what right, things right, right. are you seeing? Greg, let's answer that question. We can back over the break. We're going to take a little break, but I, that's a really great question. And I want to know what you are seeing when you take those, you know, those images. We'll be right back with Greg Burns. He's the author of How Dogs Love Us. The number is 877-807-4048. Congratulations to Chris in Shelton, Washington. Chris is getting a copy of the book, How Dogs Love Us. The next call that comes in at 877-807-4048. The book is yours as well. Call right now and compliments to Mr. Greg Burns, the author of How Dogs Love Us. You're going to get a complimentary copy of the book. A neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. It's a hardcover book. It's a great book put out by New Harvest. You can find it in bookstores. You can find it at Amazon. So check it out. But you can get a copy right now by calling Shane, our producer at the network, at 877-807-4048. I'm John Patch. I'm Maria Ryan. And you're listening to Talking Pets. Talking Pets. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful, bagless, upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are one of the only live shows on Pet Life Radio, and I'm here to answer your questions. So you can call in at 877-385-8882, or you can drop me an email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com, and hopefully we'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. With this hour's Talking Pets news from the USA Today, here's your host, John Patch. In Pueblo, Colorado, about 30 black-footed ferrets that are natural predators of prairie dogs have been released by wildlife officials, which is welcome news for the ranchers who said the prairie dogs are destroying prime rangeland. These are killing machines, said Peter Gover, who coordinates the black-footed ferret release program for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Maria? In Honolulu, Honolulu, Hawaii, you have to say that like a whole bunch of times really fast, an eyelash shrimp has been added to the endangered species list. The Antillian pool shrimp is among the most primitive shrimp species in the world. John? Out of Buffalo, Kentucky, the post office there will reopen this weekend after closing in July to deal with a spider infestation. I wouldn't want to work there either if I had spiders. That's like the one thing that I hate are spiders. Yeah. In Twin Falls, Idaho, a driver suffered minor injuries and 21 head of cattle were killed when a truck hauling a load of cattle overturned um, off here on Tuesday afternoon in Twin Falls. Sheriff County spokeswoman Lori Stewart said in Kenneth Warmock, 48. In Honolulu, Hawaii, the city administration has decided not to award an $80,000 contract for feral chicken control services, which includes responding to complaints about noisy roosters. In Billings, Montana, a Montana-led effort to help replace cattle lost by a South Dakota ranchers during a strange fall snowstorm will begin delivering 500 head of cattle to ranchers there this week. South Dakota officials estimated that 15,000 to 30,000 cattle were lost in the October storm. In Madeira Beach, Florida, wildlife officials were planning to euthanize a beached sperm whale found off Madeira Beach. In Clinton, Maine, a young peregrine falcon that has been undergoing rehabilitation has been released into the wild. The male peregrine was set free along the banks of Kennebec. And once again, you're listening to Talkin' Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Maria Ryan. The number to call is 877-807-4048. That's 877-807-4048. We're speaking with the author of How Dogs Love Us, a neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. It's available in bookstores and online like Amazon. And of course, it's published by New Harvest. So check it out. But if you have questions, you can give us a call, again, at 877-807-4048. You're listening to Talkin' Pets. And you're listening to Talkin' Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Maria Ryan. Don't forget you can watch us live on the webcam at TalkinPets.com. No G in the Talkin'. And please join us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd like you to be part of our family. Right now we're speaking with the author Greg Burns of How Dogs Love Us. A neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. Congratulations to Patty. And Patty's in Lewisburg, West Virginia. Congratulations, Patty. Um, You are also getting a copy of the book, How Dogs Love Us. We have one more copy we're going to give out, so the next call that comes 
in at 877-807-4048. Toll-free telephone number. The call's on us. 877-807-4048. When you call into Genesis, you'll speak with Shane, and Shane will get your information and send you out the book. So the next call to come in, the book is yours. 877-807-4048. We had a really great question from Maria, and... Um, Basically, Greg, we want to know how do like what do you see in these MRIs that actually depict you know what the dogs are thinking? Yeah, Maria, that was that was a great question. So the way this works, so we're doing something that's a little different than a regular MRI. So when you when you okay. when a person would go get an MRI, basically it would be like a picture of your brain, and it would just be a static image. Mm-hmm. So we're doing something called functional MRI, which is a way of programming the scanner to scan the brain once every basically second. And so so what it is is really more like a movie of what's happening in the brain as the dog or the person, if, depending on what we have in there, is doing something. And so what we have to do is is control the conditions of the experiment. So So we try to control what the dog is seeing and experiencing, and then we also measure what the dog is doing. And so that's how we try to sort out what is going on in their brains. It's not because if you just look at it just as they're just sitting there, you know, we can't interpret it. So, for example, one of the experiments that we've been doing lately is we're trying to understand how the dogs perceive different people that they communicate with. So we've gone back to our original experiment where the person gives them hand signals, except now what we do is we have the owner giving the signals, and then we have a a strange person come in and give exactly the same signals. And we've even gotten to the point now where we've been training the dogs to also look at computer screens. And so we can have the images presented on the computer screen. And the whole point of this is we're trying to sort out when we're looking at reward systems in their brain, how much of that activity is due to the fact that the dog's expecting some hot dog and how much of it is due to what we call social reward, the fact that they're interacting with a human or, in many dogs' case, a specific human that they live with. And so all of this gets sorted out afterwards, but it's mainly by controlling specific things that happen during the experiment. That's fascinating. When you find something like this out, Greg, where does it come into the point where people are going to start looking differently at at their pets? I mean, like, for instance, the legal rights of pets. I mean, because right now, I mean, I believe in a lot of the way it is, they're kind of considered property. Do you think that's going to change? Well, I can tell you that it's changed how how I view pets. I mean, uh, not so much. I mean, I've always viewed my dogs as family members, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm painfully aware that the law doesn't treat them that way. Right. Mm -hmm. What, you know, what... Uh, what what I've seen kind of as as this project has gone on, and, and now we have almost 25 dogs participating in the project, that the more I look at what goes on in, in these animals' brains, the more I see in common with humans. And it's, it's not clear to me even where you draw the line anymore. You know, if we have things in common with dogs, you know, like you said, what about cats and other animals? Um, it, it makes you question kind of, the whole conception of, of an animal as a piece of property, and there must be a better solution than that. Well, we've got a question coming in for you, and um, basically um, we're going to take that in just a second. But another thing, too, is, you know, you talked earlier about how dogs love and the evidence that's out there, and and also the us as humans and the emotions that we, we show to them. In the long run, you're going to see a lot of that changing, aren't you? I mean, what you were just saying, basically, is that the more we find out the, the inner thoughts or the brains of, of these animals, that maybe we'll, 
I think basically what I'm saying is that a lot of people look at a dog and because it can't sit behind a computer and type out a message, they don't look at it as being an intelligent being. But in its own right, it is. Exactly. I mean, and that's a very kind of, that's a very common view of animals that, that goes back centuries, if not millennia. It's, it's only very recently that humans have appreciated these very deep processes that animals have. I mean, and it's not just dogs. I mean, it's, you know, dolphins, whales, elephants, chimpanzees. I mean, they all have tremendous um, capacity for intelligence in their own way. And what the what the neuroscience research is showing is is it becomes harder and harder to deny i think you know when when you see parallel processes in brains then you can't just say well it's just anthropomorphizing or just projecting human thoughts mm -hmm. onto animals i mean it, it's just another piece of evidence and i think eventually society is going to come around to it well, we're going to go out to uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands, WVWI, and Jordy's got a question for you. And, uh, Jordy, you got a question for um, for Greg Burns, the author of How Dogs Love Us? Sure do. What's going on yeah, with your dog? What, what kind of a dog do you have? You have a German Shepherd, I believe? Just inherited from my son, who went away to college. I was wondering how he was going to interface in the new surroundings, you know? And in a matter of two months, he likes to jump up in bed and snuggle. He's uh, scared to death of lightning. And a lightning storm goes by, he's in bed nuzzling under my arm trying to get away from it. But I was just wondering, is that an unusual circumstance for German Shepherds to take to somebody so quickly? That's a great question. You know, I think certainly from my perspective, what we're seeing in the dog project is, is a tremendous range of bonding capacity. So I don't know if this is specific to German Shepherd dogs, but we have we actually have uh, several retrievers in our project, and several of, of these retrievers um, have come from service dog programs. They basically failed out of service dog training. What we're seeing with them is actually their brain responses are a little bit different than, say, my dog, which is a rescue from a shelter, that they seem to have more intense responsiveness in these reward regions to the humans in it, that when they're giving them signals. And we, we don't know if that's the genetics of labs and retrievers or it's because of their upbringing and kind of their intense bonding from a young age. So it could be either case in, in the case of your dog. It could be genetics or it could be that uh, it's just intensely bonded to humans and, and is able to adapt. Yeah, well, my son raised him from a tiny little puppy and was a, a super loving parent, you know, dog parent. And um, it seems like maybe something, you know, in the smell between my son and myself or whatever. But it's just amazed me how quickly he's adjusted to the new environment. Now, I had another question. I've got a small puppy. Uh, not a small puppy. It's eight months old now. It's half pit bull and half... Uh, I can remember that. Anyway, it's, a, it's a, a mixed breed dog. And they are wrestling and you know, bite me and this and that all day. Is that the, for the two dogs to have that kind of interplay? Well, that's a good question. I think I will defer that question to the, the animal behavior experts on the show. It is very normal, and it's very appropriate, and I think maybe your younger puppy is learning a lot of bite inhibition from your older German Shepherd. They'll definitely pick up, actually, a lot from yeah, one another. That's the, that's the truth, and you kind of got to keep them in line. And it's funny that you bring that up, too, because, Jordy, what I want to do is we're going to take a little break, and before we say goodbye to Greg, I do have a really big question for him, because I noticed, actually, in the book and in, in some of the writings that... You know, the idea of being the pack leader, if that's a mistake, 
or if it's not a mistake. And should there be an alpha in the household, meaning you, for instance, Jordy, over these two dogs? And I'm curious to know what Greg's going to say, and that may answer your questions, too, about your dogs. So we're going to follow that up when we come right back, so we're going to take a little break. But, Jordy, I want you to stay on the line, too, because I want you to speak with Shane. We're going to send you out a complimentary copy of How Dogs Love Us. So it's a good read, and we're going to ship that out to you in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So thanks for calling us there on WVWI. It's nice to hear from you guys in the beautiful islands. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Jordy. Thanks, Jordy. Keep listening. Stay on the line because we're going to get your information and we're going to ship you out that book. Again, that's Jordy listening on WVWI in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I'm John Patch. I'm Maria Ryan. We're speaking with Greg Burns, the author of How Dogs Love Us, a neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. And really good question. I want to find out what his thoughts because I don't know, Maria, I'm sure you've heard a lot of different opinions about the alpha in the household. Oh, absolutely. It, it's been changing. And I'm curious to know yeah. what Greg's going to say. So we'll be right back and find out Greg's opinion on on that, which would help out Jordy a little bit there as well. So um, give us a call if you've got a question, 877-807-4048. This is Talking Pets. Talking Pets. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And you're listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. I'm Maria Ryan. You know, it's funny how a song takes you back. Right back to the 80s. Yes, and it took me back to college. This was like one of my college songs. Yeah. So it's amazing. You still love uh-huh. this song. Yeah, the 80s. Yep, good old Those 80s. were the best years. They were the best years. Those were definitely the best years. You did not go to college in the 80s. Yeah, I did. Oh. What, were you going to say the 60s? Yeah, I thought you were a child of the 60s. I thought you were one of those hippies. You're close enough for me to whip this book, <laughs> How Dogs Love Us, at you. <laughs> and it's... Hardcover. Yes, it is hardcover. <laughs> it's a beautiful book. Too beautiful to ruin on your head. Yeah, don't throw it at him. This is an awesome book. <laughs> We're speaking with the author himself, Greg Burns, How Dogs Love Us, uh, a neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. Congratulations. This is actually Jody. Uh, Jody in uh, U.S. Virgin Islands is actually going to get a copy of that book. 
Nice to hear from you guys in the Virgin Islands. 877-807-4048 is the number. A big hello to Alma, by the way, out there in the Virgin Islands. 877-807-4048. Pick up the phone, give us a call if you've got a question or a comment. We're speaking with Greg Burns for a couple more minutes. But one of the last questions I have for you, if not the last question, actually, Greg, would be, that big controversy that's out there, and I noticed you mention it and all in the book and so on and so forth, and in your in your uh, PR on the book. What do you think about that? Should there be an alpha in the household? Should the alpha be the human parent? Um, how's that work? What do you think, in your opinion? So, it, so when I was researching background material for the book and the whole project, you know, uh, I spent a lot of time digging into the origins of dogs. And the thinking around that is changing very rapidly as as we get more and more genetic information about where dogs came from. And so the thing you, you realize immediately is that dogs are not wolves. So this, this idea of the alpha in a pack, I mean, that comes from wolf packs. You know, and of course, wolves have very different social structures than dogs do. And, you know, Yes, there are alphas in wolf packs, but they're usually females, and they're usually the alpha over um, their offspring. Dogs, you know, don't, for the most part, in Western society, live in packs. They live with humans. So I think the conclusion I came to is this whole idea of, of needing an alpha in a household with dogs is, is fundamentally flawed because it comes from kind of the wrong species, well, the wrong subspecies of wolves. So then the question is, well, what then? You know, how do you live with dogs? You know, you, you, don't, you can't let them run amok. And to me, I think the best analogy comes from actually the management lit- literature. And really what dogs need is they need direction, you know, and you need to be a leader and you need to communicate. And many of the problems that people have with dogs just comes from lack of clear communication. You know, dogs come hardwired to soak up our social signals. It's just the humans who are inconsistent about it. Yeah. And I think people should be thinking more about how to communicate clearly with their dogs, and the dogs will get it, and use kind of the gentle leader concept more than mm. the alpha concept. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, one day, actually, we might find ourselves declaring dogs are people, too, and granting them rights beyond our wildest dreams. And if you want to find out more about that, of course, you can get the book. And it's called How Dogs Love Us. It's by Greg Burns, a neuroscientist, and his adopted dog, Decode the Canine Brain. The number is 877-807-4048, and that is the number. It's a toll-free telephone number to call into the show, Talking Pets. And that's 877-807-4048. Real quick, though, um, Greg, one more question from you. Um, and actually, Drew has a question for you from uh, about a study that was done in Russia, I believe. Drew, what's that about? we got about two minutes. Oh, yeah. Yes, um, I saw a PBS special where they were studying foxes, and the, the friend, uh, they bred the friendlier ones over time, and they actually became like a domestic dog in color. They started getting spots and losing their uh, natural color that they had, and apparently the phenotype changes uh, with behavior as well. Could I, I'd like to hear a comment from the uh, scientist, please. What do you think on that, Greg? Yeah, yeah so, so you're talking about the, the famous silver foxes in Russia, which was a project started by Belayev, and you're absolutely right. What happened there was they started selecting foxes based um, on their willingness to approach humans. So they, they selectively bred the foxes first for their social behavior, and what has changed over time is their appearance has also, in many cases, started to morph into dogs or look more like dogs. And 
Nobody really knows exactly why that is. The genetics of it suggest that the genes that are linked to social behavior with humans must also be linked to physical traits that make them more dog-like. But that's, that may just be a coincidence. Thank you very much, because this is a really intriguing study. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for that question. And, uh, of course, Greg, thanks very much for joining us on the program. It was fascinating conversations. And uh, I think a lot of people learned quite a bit about yeah. it as well. So. I can't wait to go home <laughs> and, and read this right. book. It, definitely you want to go out and get this book, How yeah. Dogs Love Us, a neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. And like I said, it's available in bookstores. It's available at Amazon. You can find it there. It's put out by New Harvest uh, Publishing. So check it out. And, uh, Greg, thanks so much. Congratulations on a great book. Thanks, John. Thanks, Maria. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Great time. And uh, thanks, thanks again. We look forward to your next book coming out. Absolutely. That's Greg Burns. He's the author of How Dogs Love Us. Again, a neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. And like I said, you can find it in bookstores. You can find it online. It's put up by New Harvest, Hufflin Mifflin Harcourt. So check it out. Once again, this is Talking Pets. But, you know, when we were going back real quick to the other caller about his pit bull and the other one, I mean, mm. I thought that was kind of fascinating what Greg was talking about in terms of you know, the alpha in the house. Well, the, the, the everybody's hung up house. on that. Yeah. Everybody's hung up on that. But like Greg said, the terminology is quickly. And I like the way he said quickly. Yeah. Quickly changing. Yeah. That's good. Yep. Well, once again, thanks for joining us here on Talking Pets. Don't forget, spay and neuter your pets and help control that pet population. And check out the book, How Dogs Love Us. A neuroscientist and his adopted dog decode the canine brain. You can see more information about the book at TalkinPets.com, T-A-L-K-I-N, Pets.com. No G in the talking. And don't forget, join us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can do so right there at the top of the homepage. Just click on the icons. You can be part of our family. Like, so far, about 18,000 people are. We want to see that number expand and explode. So please, become be, be our friend. <laughs> I'm John Patch. I'm Maria Ryan. Oh, I'm Bob Page. And stuff from Boardwick. And you've been listening to this hour of Talking Pets. Let's Talk Pets. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.